On this week's episode of the Tide Keeps Rolling podcast, Mason, Hunter, and Clay share the reactions to Damari Burnett transferring, along with who else may be on the move for Alabama men's basketball. The Tide Keeps Rolling on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Todd Keats Rolling Podcast on the Bama Central Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mason Smith, alongside Hunter DeCyber and Clay Miller. We got we missed you. We 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 missed our fans. We missed our listeners. So we took a, a brief hiatus because things got really, really hectic. But now we are back. And the honestly, before we even got on the air today, just just early this morning, the Marvin Neb, Alabama men's basketball news broke that he's entering the transfer portal. Clay, I'm gonna start with you. What is your immediate reaction to that news? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a good decision for Namari Burnett. It's unfortunate because he's kind of the one odd man out on this roster this year as far as what his place was going to be moving forward. I feel really bad for him because, you know, he came in last year, was supposed to kind of really be an important player, and we really needed a shot maker last year. It was Shackelford, and then we kind of struggled, and I think he really would have helped. And so this year was kind of supposed to be his year. You know, he, he still kind of – He's not super young, but he's not really – he has eligibility left, and he was a starter. And then, of course, he gets that wrist injury, and he never could really find his way back into that rotation, at least solid minutes. He was kind of in and out. And so it makes sense for him to kind of maybe move on to somewhere else where he knows that he's going to have a solid spot in the rotation because, unfortunately, Alabama has a lot of young guys coming in. We had veterans this year that kind of kept him from playing some – so it makes sense for Namari Burnett, but I do I, I feel bad for him just because I think he really could have had an important role in this program, and it just never materialized because of injury and and, and things like that. I think that's fair, and it's like it, it just becomes a big deal that he lost his spot to Jaden Bradley, and Jaden Bradley kind of used the opportunity to elevate himself. You know, congrats to Jaden, but now Namari, understandably so, maybe wants a bigger role. Now, one thing I kind of confused before I throw it to Hunter, I think with. Javon Quinley, who I think is leaving, I think there would have been more minutes for him if Namari stayed. But I also understand why he may not have stayed, because like you mentioned earlier, his minutes kind of decreased, especially at the end of the season, going into the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. His minutes were just really, really down. But but Hunter, what are your two cents on this? What do you think about Namari leaving? Yeah, so um, I think it really, I think it really stems from uh, just the whole injury perspective. How he only played about twenty-seven games this year instead of like the normal like thirty-seven. And I think that's where Rylan Griffin and Jaden Bradley kind of took over his role as like a combo guard kind of player. Um, speaking of Rylan Griffin, I think he's really the guy moving forward for that um, spot as the sixth man or seventh man, depending on where Bradley goes. All right, definitely. I can I can see why that, that why that be the case. I think Rylan Griffin has a lot of upside. I think people are really high on Griffin more, you know, because they see his talent. And the biggest thing that Rylan Griffin probably needs to do is just eat. Dude is just really skinny. And I think once he gets in the weight room, adds a little more muscle, adds a little more girth, not to mention he's already a pretty athletic player. He's underratedly athletic. People don't think about that when they think about Rylan Griffin, but he can actually get up there, not to mention his three-point shooting. I, I can definitely see him kind of stepping into a starter role, you know, kind of filling in as a two-guard beside Mark Sears. But I know all that's going to kind of be revisited as the summer comes along and things like that. But guys, kind of even go beyond that. This roster is starting to look a little bit more depleted than I think most people have anticipated. We know Brandon Miller's going to the draft. We know that. Um, Javon Quinterly, I would be surprised if he stays. Because even if he could stay because he has eligibility, he's, he's older. I think he had a good year. I think it's time is right for him to leave. 
Noah Gurley and Don Welch have also maxed out their eligibilities. And now you have Lamar Burnett that entered the transfer portal. Like, Hunter, I'm not going to lie. This, this roster kind of looks a little bit more depleted, kind of going setting up for next season. Do you think that this is the end? Do you think that any, anybody else is leaving, whether it's for the draft or, or through the transfer portal? I wouldn't say it's necessarily the end. I think it's just our new chapter. I mean, obviously, Miller was the big page or the big chapter for this year. And um, obviously with Gurley and Welch leaving, they are big parts as well. But um, when it comes down to it, I think a big man like Charles Bediaco could really fill in for that Noah Gurley role. He kind of did that this entire season. I think he'll only improve from here, and that'll be the next chapter in Tuscaloosa. Even, even if we stick with Bediaco, though, I think one name's been thrown around, too. Just however briefly is Nick Pringle. Clay, I'm not sure how much of you heard in terms of you know what reports are saying and what Twitter is saying. But I've heard Pringle's name being thrown out there. I've heard Jaden Bradley's name being thrown out there. I've even heard Ryland Griffin's name being thrown out there, which I think is kind of shocking. I, didn't, I don't think he would leave. So when it comes to players that may leave, again, either for the portal or for the draft, what do you think? I, think, I don't know about those players leaving as much just because I think there's still, like, a role for them to grow into. You know, Namari Burnett, That's that was kind of my point through all that is he kind of had – gotten to a point where I don't really think he saw a future for himself on this team. Whereas Jaden Bradley, Ryland Griffin, they're freshmen. They're going to continue to grow into their role. They could be the leaders of the next couple of years. Pringle can still be that really, you know, kind of Noah Gurley role where he's that backup big and get and see more minutes. I don't know if we see any more uh, like extreme departures. You know, it, it's really, it's interesting how this year is a lot different than last year. Last year we had a lot of guys kind of leave the program when it wasn't kind of the time to that they transferred for better situations because something wasn't right within Alabama's program this year, it's a lot more natural leaving. Like you have Miller and Clowney leaving because they're, they're so good. They're going to the NBA potentially, obviously Clowney could stay, but it's looking like you won't. And then you have the two, two or three older guys, like you said, who are just kind of out of time. And so I think that's the good news for Alabama is we're, we're moving, letting people move on because it's time for them to go. But I don't see any reason for these other guys not to say just stay just because I think Bradley, Griffin, Pringle, they can all have really prominent roles on this team and kind of help Alabama get back to where they were this year. And I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of these guys are having people replace them, too. You know, we have Sam Walters, Chris Parker coming in. And I do think we could see Alabama add some more players through the transfer portal. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see the roster kind of stay, you know, still now for what we've seen. Honestly, I think you mentioned one key player in terms of all the who stays and who goes, and that's Noah Clowney. I think if Noah Clowney does go to the NBA, which deservedly so, he's played well. I think he's earned it. I wouldn't be surprised if he declares. But if he actually does leave, I think that opens up the opportunity for Pringle even more. Because remember, Nick Pringle played behind both Clowney and Betty Yako, which is kind of a tall ass, and Noah Gurley at times. That's, so that's three guys who played a four and five spot, so he was behind essentially the fourth big on the roster. Gurley's already gone. I expect him to get Gurley's minutes. But if Clowney declares, that means Bidiaco will probably be the only person that plays ahead of him. But remember, there's the four and the five spot for a starting lineup or any kind of lineup on the court. Not to mention that Pringle's actually pretty athletic. And when I talked to him for that feature I did a while ago, you have to go check it out, by the way. He's actually used to playing on the wing as well as playing in, in the paint. Remember, Clown, like Pringle had a late growth spurt in high school. And then when he went to Dodge City Community College, where he you know, became the number two player in all of JUCO, he played more on the wing. He was a drive slasher, you know, 
you know, get to the basket kind of guy. And then here, the role that they needed him to play was like a big because if you think about it, Alabama's roster really isn't that big. This roster is very guard heavy. So I think if Clowney does leave, I think Pringle has a chance to really establish himself maybe as a starter at the four spot. Now, you need to shoot way better. You need to shoot way better. Right? He, he had a high field goal percentage, but that's because he didn't take a shot really outside of the free throw line area, free throw line extended. He's going to have to learn how to shoot. So I'm really going to see how that thing, how things develop for him and also for these guards because there's a lot of guards. And, you know, I can only imagine what it's like when you think, hey, there's a lot of talented guys in front of me. I want to play, but I don't know. And even beyond the players, and, and Hunter, I'm going to start this one with you, we have two coaches leaving. Brian Hodgson, you know, Otis, one of the staff's top recruiters, you know, he's leaving to go to Arkansas State and become the head coach there. And then Charlie Henry, who have many – signified as a defensive coordinator for the basketball team, he's going to go to Georgia Southern. So from, from what you know and from what you, you know, predict and expect, how do you think those losses will affect Alabama basketball moving forward? All right. So I'm going to combine everything the two of you guys have said in the last, like, couple minutes or so. So regarding the coaches and the players, I think I've never been a huge fan. I'm going to say this. I've never really been a huge fan of the whole 3 and D system. I think uh, a system where you drive to the bucket is way more efficient and mid-range as well. And obviously Miller and Clowney were great. And they're some of the best players to ever play at Alabama, especially Miller. But um, now that they'll be in the NBA, that three-point um, like style kind of shifts over to a mid-range or driving and passing style with players like Bradley and Pringle. Now, going back with, with Pringle, as you said, he was one of the most athletic guys on the team. I would totally agree. Um, I think that Bradley to Pringle um, connection um, for lobs would be perfect under a new offensive system. And regarding defense, obviously Alabama plays very quick and efficient. Um, I'm not really sure where they would go from there. I think they they really are perfect in the defensive format, depending on whoever, which coach they select. Well, I'll go straight to you, man. What do you think about the coaches' uh, departures? I mean, I think it's a pretty big kind of turning point in Nate Oates' tenure because those two guys were very instrumental to the success. We know Hodgson was a big recruiter for him. I think if you talk to a lot of the guys who were just recruited freshmen this year, Hodgson played a big role in that along with Antoine Petway. As you mentioned, he was kind of the developmental guy. I know a lot of people noticed at the end of the year, Charles Bediaco and Nick Pringle kind of changing their free throw routines. Hodgson had a big a lot to do with that. So, I mean, he has a big impact on this team. And then you look at Charlie Henry, you know, Alabama's defense, I don't really know if people think of us as a defensive juggernaut, but we have been one of the top defenses in the league. Um, and that's a lot due to Charlie Henry and what he kind of instills into the players. And so how Oates goes about replacing them and filling those roles, I think it's going to be huge because, you know, we have a lot of momentum now, out the, the program with recruiting, with kind of our brand name, you know, along with football now becoming kind of a powerhouse in the sport. And you would hate to see that kind of come to nothing because we lost several of our, you know, most important coaches and, and we kind of falter in these next couple of years. So I think those two, how he replaces them are, are going to be really huge. What's, what's even funnier than that, and I think about it now, you said Nick Saban. Remember, Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama has kind of become known for he can win with essentially anybody on his coaching staff as long as they're good at their job. Like You look at the, the, the rings that he's got. I think the offensive defensive coordinator is kind of different almost everyone except maybe the back-to-back championship that he won um, early on in his career. So I think no, for, for Nate Oates, it's going to be a big deal for him because 
Now it's going to prove, okay, well, are you Nato's a great coach, which I believe he is. I think we all agree that Nato's is a great coach. But how much was it you individually versus the guys you had on your staff? Now, before we, before we move to uh, the next and probably final point of this episode, I want to make something very clear. Everybody has a good staff, and it's not, their, it's not anyone's fault if they kind of take a step or a small step back when they lose somebody. Of course, when it comes to sports, continuity is a really big deal. Look at San Diego State. San Diego State, San Diego State's be able to do what they do because they're a senior-heavy team that's stuck together and, and done things. They, they have experience. Honestly, when you have new coaches and new players, the experience isn't there, at least not within, within Coma Coliseum. And I think there's some wiggle room for that. And what I mean by wiggle room, I don't mean for this team that they're going to have a losing record. They're going to get blown out by teams they shouldn't lose to. But this team just won the regular season and tournament NCC titles, excuse me. If they don't win that next year, that's not a failure. That's just, I think, a testament to where we are now that he needs time to adjust. I think that's a, I think that's a fair, you know, assessment where when he gets the new players in, when he gets the new coaches in, he's going he's gonna to take some time to, you know, get everything kind of gelled together. Yeah. You know, Hunter kind of brought this up when he was talking about the coaches. Um, I'm not – I don't want to start – I don't want to start a, a hot debate here. But I, I do wonder if Alabama is going to evolve in the next several years and with their style, because I, I do like the, the base system that O's plays, this kind of th- up and down. We take a lot of threes. We get to the rim, no mid-range. I think that's a really good base level. Like th- That'll win you games. But we saw, we've seen it in the NCAA tournament now twice. When the game slows down, and we play these really super veteran teams, we cannot generate good shots. And I saw a lot of people during the game saying, we just can't make shots right now. We can't make threes. We can't make it at the rim. Well, you know why? Because they're all it's so hard. We're having to work so hard for all those shots because we don't really have a lot of half-court sets. It's all dribble, dribble, dribble. Let's get a ball screen, and then hopefully we'll get a look. And I wonder if this these new coaches, Oates, will – not change his style completely I, because it works, but kind of maybe evolve to where we have a little bit more of a half-court motion offense, something besides m- more just relying on ISO, you know, dribble penetration. Because I, I do think, not that his style doesn't work in March, but it needs to evolve a little bit if you want to you go all the way. And I, and I wonder if some of this roster turnover and, and coaching changes will maybe help, help that evolve a little bit. Um, honestly, I think – and we can kind of talk about this later. We can talk, we can probably talk about the next episode. But the one thing I do want to keep in mind in terms of Alabama's, you know, early exit, this team has struggled with physicality all year. Houston was physical. Uh, Oklahoma smacked them in the mouth. Like a lot of the losses that they've had, Texas A&M, another physical game. Like they were just they kind of struggled with that all year, and then it came to, it came to a head against San Diego State, defensive, physical team. And on top of that. Everything kind of went wrong for Alabama in that San Diego State game. Like, perimeter shots were not falling. Shots at the rim were not falling. Foul trouble, turnovers, everything that's kind of been an issue for Alabama in its own case throughout the season all came together to be a perfect storm of just poor basketball for the Crimson Tide. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind. I really do feel like if one of those things actually worked, like they, if they still had perimeter shooting that was going, if they didn't turn the ball over as much, if the shots in the lane were falling, I feel like Alabama still could have won that game because the game was still close. When all that's working against you, there's, there's really no chance. Now, to kind of wrap up this episode, because I think we've 
have talked about enough today. Hunter, I'm going to go to you first. You talk. We've been really on the scene about who's leaving, but let's end with a positive note. Who are we excited to see? Whether whether they're a returning player, a coming in, incoming freshman, or maybe potentially a transfer guy. You know, we've heard we've heard rumors that there's some transfer guys that may come in. Who are you excited to potentially see step up next season for Alabama basketball? So my three guys would be um, Rylan Griffin, um, Nick Pringle, but especially um, it would be Jaden Bradley. I've been a huge on Jaden Bradley ever since he's been at IMG Academy. I think he's a huge asset to this team. I think he's can't the best shoot. passer on this team. What? He can't shoot. And, I, and that's what I was saying before. I was saying maybe if they switch up the 3 and D, it's more of a playmaking and driving thing where it's ran through Bradley and throwing lobs to Pringle or finding Burnett – or not Burnett, sorry – um, th- finding uh, Ryland Griffin on the side, it could totally work more. I, d- I don't think they could do three and D once more. I think the nation's starting to figure it out. I think they, they need to have a plan B because we obviously saw in the tournament and just over the last three years when they don't shoot or when they miss shots, they're going to lose and they don't really have a backup plan. So I think Jaden Bradley is the guy to look for next season because I think he could bring out that next role of playmaking and driving to the basket. Clay, Clay, I'll go to you. Matter of fact, Clay, I'm sorry. Before I even let you go, I'm a, I like Jaden Bradley because I remember um, another beat writer on today when I went to the football press conference. He was like, "Do you like Jaden Bradley? I like Jaden Bradley. I think he's a fantastic point guard. He just can't shoot, man. Like if when he when he can't make shots, it makes the whole offense just kind of crumble. Like it's like it it really takes a lot of great shooters around, which they have when Mark is hitting shots, when Noah Clowney is hitting shots, and Brendan Miller's hitting shots. All of a sudden, Jaden Bradley is otherworldly at the point guard position. When those guys struggle, there's a reason why he only played five minutes against San Diego State, even though he's probably the best perimeter defender they have besides maybe Namar Burnett. He needs to be on. I trust and I really do believe that Bradley will lock himself in the gym and get that jump shot right. That's really the only thing missing from his offensive game. But he has to be able to shoot. Clay, go ahead, man. My bad. Well, just to talk, you know, that, this is a good point. And this is, kind of goes back to what I was saying. I think Jaden Bradley is a perfect example of maybe Nate Oates trying to force a square peg in a round hole. Because you know what Jaden Bradley is good at? Getting into the lane. You know what he would be really well off doing? Taking like a 10-foot mid-range jumper. Taking a floater. Because because he never always emphasizes layups and three-pointers, That's not he's not a three-point shooter. And so he's getting in the lane. Let's make a little t- – and I think if Oates would allow players to maybe utilize their strengths more, you would see Bradley perform better because I can't tell you how many times I'm – a, I'm a pretty much a basketball purist, so I have to self-admit that. But it, Bradley had like a 10-foot jumper, but because they don't emphasize that, you see him go to the rim or pass out, and it makes it look a lot worse than he is. So well, that's just – Before well, – well, I'll let you continue, but I will say this. Oates said in the press conference that technically he's okay with guys shooting – open mid-range jumpers he said that but of course the tape doesn't lie i just don't think they practice it and it's hard to do something in the game that you don't practice but anyways that's for another discussion as far as what i'm really excited about seeing added you know he uh hunter kind of went the route of players already on the team all really good points i'm interested to kind of see what we do in the transfer portal and these kind of incoming freshmen i think bama would be really well serviced to go get a shooter and i know that sounds like oh bama's a shooting team 
But if you really think about it, we haven't really had just like a catch and shoot, knockdown shooter, maybe since John Petty. I know Shackelford could kind of be classified as that. But I think we thought maybe like Welch and Burnett would kind of be that role this year, but they didn't really materialize into it. I, I think maybe we just need like a, a very much a, a forward or guard who can just catch and shoot threes because that really works well with kind of this driving style that we have. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how maybe Chris Parker and, and Sam Walters kind of are, are if they're ready to go next year, because we have Betty Yako and Pringle, two very athletic kind of around the rim big men. But if you could add like another forward to pair with them, that's more skilled that can knock down a three. I think that would be a really good like combo. So that's kind of what I'm really looking forward to see if Alabama kind of adds that next year with, with play, players that are new to the team. I think I'm going to agree with you on that one, Clay. I'm an, I'm more excited for the guys that are coming in and that could potentially join the team. Um, Davin Kaiser, let's remember, Davin Kaiser right. early. He's already kind of familiar with the with the NATO system. And remember, at 6'4-ish, I think he's about 6'3", 6'4", he's probably more of a legit two-guard than the two-point guard line that NATO has had. The reason I say that is because even though they were really big in the in the front court with Miller, Clowney, and Betty Yako, that kind of made it for the fact they were really small in the backcourt. Like when you start a lineup of Sears and Quinterly, or when you even start a lineup of Sears and Bradley, you know Bradley's not going to shoot. Like that's going to really hinder you into what your backcourt can do in their versatility. I do think if you start Cosby, who is familiar with the system, I think he will get a leg up in terms of maybe getting getting that shooting guard position and maybe instead of Ryland Griffin. I think that's a really good person I'm looking forward to seeing. Like. Remember, bas- college basketball has kind of transitioned to a point where it's like the younger guys and, you know, freshmen. And, no. Experience matters, and Davin Cosby has that to a limited degree in terms of the NATO's offense. When you come when you come into a season, you already – like if you come – if you take a test and someone's giving you the answers the semester before, you're going to feel fine. I think that's going to be the case with Davin Cosby. I think he's going to be able to succeed early on. He's going to hit that freshman wall. I'm not going to be surprised at that because every most freshmen do. It happened with Griffin. It happened with Bradley. It happened with Clowney. And it didn't really happen to Miller as badly, but it still happened to him in some respects. I think Kyle's I'm really looking forward to seeing. I'm really looking forward to seeing Betty Yako. Because I think Betty Yako's junior year, that's going to be the make or break year for him in terms of his NBA prospects. Like I think if he if he really wants to go to the league, which I think he can, I think he has the ability to, he's going to really show some things next year. He's a seven-footer, not really, hasn't hasn't made a three this year. You know, he's not he's a pretty solid finisher, but he's not the best finisher. And his rim, his rim protection is solid, but it's not otherworldly. Like, I'm pretty sure there are other bigs that can defend the rim, you know, as well as Bediaco, whether they're, you know, college players, um, international players or even in the G League. So I think Bediaco, for me, Bediaco, Davin Cosby and then Nick Pringle. I think Nick Pringle, I'm really excited to see. I think his role is going to be redefined because. When I talked to him, again, he just he was excited about his role. But here's one thing to keep in mind. When you get to a league and you start performing well in that league like he did, he may, he may think to himself, well, look, now my perspective has changed. I'm doing certain things. I'm actually holding my own like, in the SEC, one of the best leagues in, in, in the nation. So maybe, you know, he'll work on his shot. He'll work on other aspects of his game. And I think his role may increase. Like he still may be a role player, you know, in the definition of a championship team and how much he actually contributes and things like that. That's fine. But I do think that Nick Pringle will have a bigger role on this team next year, and I'm excited for that. And that's not me speaking biasedly. You know, that's that's my guy. I rock, I rock with him. Nick Pringle is my boy. But I do think unbiasedly he'll have a bigger role. 
Um, I think that's about it. I think that's all we have to discuss. Uh, unless you guys have something else you want to add before we sign off. No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I do think with these returning players, it, it a lot of them are going to have make and break years next, make or break it years next year, which which will be interesting as we get closer to the season. Definitely. Well, that concludes this show. I know it's a little bit shorter than we're usually expected. We we're trying to check the rest off. We've been gone a little. We've been gone a little while. But again, glad you glad you guys have listened. We'll have basketball coverage, football coverage, and more throughout the spring here at Bama Center. So with Hunter the Cyber, Clay Miller, I am Mason Smith, and the tie is on.